Welcome to Talking Supply Chain. In each episode, you'll hear from the authors that make supply chain management review such a special publication. This podcast is hosted by Bob Troublecock, Editorial Director of Supply Chain Management Review. Remember that Bob welcomes your comments now to today's episode. Welcome to today's episode of Talking Supply Chain, the power of employee engagement. I'm Bob Troublecock, and joining me today is Simon Ricosi. Simon is a co-founder and the COO of Butterfly.ai, a software startup focused on, well, when we get there, I'll let Simon explain. Simon, thank you for joining us. And by the way, did I butcher your last name? Thank you, Bob. I actually did quite well. So thank you very much for having me. <laughs> Great. Well, we're, we're thrilled to have you. And as a guy who grew up with Troublecock as a last name, I try to be sensitive <laughs> to uh, getting at least in the ballpark. So now a bit of a Surgeon General's warning about uh, today's event. As a rule, I don't have solution providers on the podcast. The focus is typically supply chain professionals, academics, and consultants. I've invited Simon on today for two reasons. One is that without question, the number one issue confronting supply chain managers, managers of any kind is talent. I mean, it comes up in every conference I attend. It's how to recruit talent in the middle of a war on talent, how to train talent, and most important of all, and this is really the trick, how to keep talent. We're all looking for the silver bullet to that last one. But one of the areas I've written about in the past is the power of building culture and an engaged workforce going to that last point, how to retain your talent. So the second reason I invited Simon is that there's this world of startups in supply chain that are tackling talent-related issues. We hear a lot about startups around robotics, planning, and optimization, but not so much about this area related to talent. And I wanted to learn more. So that's where Simon comes into play. So Simon, let's get started. First, give me the elevator's pitch. Yeah, what does Butterfly AI do? And what does the company bring to the table? Uh, of course, so I do my best. Um, the short answer is we built Butterfly to provide a data-driven approach for managers um, to get feedback, initiate conversation with their teams, and then most importantly, to really strengthen the leadership skills. Uh, in more simple terms, we are the employee feedback platform for the first-time workforce, or we can say that uh, we are giving a voice to the part of the workforce that is often considered being voiceless. Now, you're a co-founder, and you know I looked you up on LinkedIn, as we all do, and from your work experience, this didn't seem like a natural. So how did the idea for a company around talent come about? Of course. So a little bit about me personally um, is true. Like I spent most of my career in corporates uh, for quite a few years. I then went to business school. But one thing that you didn't see on LinkedIn is most of my families are actually entrepreneurs. So I always was in this environment. And my co-founder, David, has been a serial entrepreneur. Uh, he had many companies. And eventually, in 2015, we got together. Um, and this is how the idea of Butterfly was born. So where does it come from? Uh, both David and I were young managers. And we quickly realized that we were way too often not aware of how our teams were doing, what they needed. So we set ourselves to be the to build a tool that we wish we had as managers. So granted, we were not in the supply chain, but we were very young, uh, 22 for one, 24 for the other. So 
when we're thinking about how to shape the business, one of our very early customers paved the way for us to look into the deskless workforce. So deskless is anyone that is not behind a computer or actually they represent 80% of the global workforce. So what they tasked us to do was how do we answer the unique needs for people not sitting behind the computer when they have to clock in to work? They cannot have the mobile phone at times. Um, usually employees not really speaking the same language as the manager. And lastly, managers that are often being a bit less trained on how to deal with people challenges compared to people working in an office. So when we looked at the supply chain for many employees, the managers are actually the representation of the company leadership. And when we go back to, is the manager always aware of what is happening in the team? Not really. Uh, especially when you look into the supply chain, when usually a manager is managing several dozens of people compared to a manager in an office that would manage maybe seven or eight people. We just want to make sure that managers were fully aware of what the teams were doing, feeling, and where, what were the specific topics they had to focus on. Uh, you know, it's interesting. You used a phrase I've never heard before, which is the deskless workforce. And, uh, and, and you'd mentioned that, um, you know, you and David uh, didn't work in supply chain. Was that first customer yeah. or that client that talked about the deskless work, uh, you know, workforce, were they in supply chain? Because, it, you know, you can imagine that, A, that, that might be people who are working in, you know, warehouses, distribution centers, or even like on the retail side, working retail, or people who are remote, like truck drivers and delivery people and service technicians and things like that. I just, I just wondered, uh, you know, how that came about or what, I'm not asking the name of the customer or their vertical, but, you know, what area they were asking you to address. Yeah, of course. Uh, that's actually a great question. So I'm not sure if I can mention names, but one of the very co early customer was called Jet.com and they got acquired by one of the biggest companies in the world, if not the biggest, starts with a W. Uh, so what we were managing with, uh, with Jet.com was, yes, they had a lot of people in the office. However, they had many people in the supply chain. Uh, they had distribution centers that were, I would say, very modern. However, they had no ways to collect feedback from the people within the different um, distribution center. So when the acquisition happened, we were tasked to... Uh, over a period of time, over a couple of years, to develop this very unique solution that can, for the first time, really gather the feedback from the people um, on, on the floor. And about your point on the deskless, uh, it's a term that we heard a few years ago, and we think it's one of the best uh, terminology to really describe anything that touches the supply chain when somebody is not behind a computer, because most of the people are actually walking the floor, standing up, and don't have really time to sit down behind the desk. I'm going to come back to a broader question in a minute, but but while we're on it, were they experiencing, you know, high levels of turnover, number one? And then number two, were they aware? So as an example, I, I did an article with um, a 3PL that has since been acquired called, back then it was called Legacy Supply Chain Solutions. And they, they were really a leader in this idea that, you know, culture leads to an engagement and engagement leads to reducing turnover and more productive workers and things like that. And uh, it, it, that was one of the first times I really heard a company saying that they wanted to make culture a best practice. And um, I just wondered if in that first engagement, 
you know, A, was it looking at trying to get a better handle on things to reduce turnover? And B, did they understand, uh, and did you and, and, and your partner understand at that time, the power of engagement and culture? Uh, that's a great question. Um, I'm, I don't think I'm going to respond about their specific challenges, but we always thought that everything starts first from leaning an ear and listening. Uh, a lot of companies have hunches of what is happening, but they don't really have the data to confirm it. So when you look at the supply chain, you have four main areas that are really influenced by the lack of engagement, if I may say. The first one is turnover. Uh, some companies are experiencing over 100% turnover. So that means somebody that is here this year might not be next year. Um, the second aspect that is actually almost as important um, as turnover is absenteeism. People not showing up for work, not announcing they're not showing up for work. Then you have anything linked to safety incidents. When somebody is not really engaged, not really aware of the surrounding, they're more likely to injure themselves. And, and fourth but not least, it's all about customer satisfaction. And this is maybe a little bit outside of the supply chain, but if you think about call centers, if you think about the retail space, when an employee is happy, you're going to see it on their face. And that the experience for the customer is going to be much bigger. And this is where you actually see a higher return on, on investment. Um, now we talked about culture. We talk about um, employee engagement. So maybe I, there is a strong difference between employee engagement and culture. So a great company culture will definitely positively impact your team's engagement and well-being. Similarly, if the culture is toxic, it will heavily impact the model of the team and will most likely lead for people to leave. So it's always interesting to have the right balance because usually a good employee engagement will come out from a very great culture. And a lot of the customers we work with usually have a, a good culture or an okay culture. And what they actually lack is this connection with the people on the floor. So what we try to do is really bridge the two worlds uh, together and by the mean of data, really give them the best we can in terms of advices, recommendations, so that ultimately they can see the reduction in turnover, in absenteeism, in safety incidents, and improvement on um, customer satisfaction. You, you just made a really uh, interesting um, distinction. So I, I want to stick on this for a moment before I go back to um, the question I was going to ask, which is, that, they're, that culture and engagement are not the same thing. So from, from your experience, and, and I say I've published some things on culture, but it's one of those, those concepts that's kind of you know, hard to get your arms around. How do you define it? What, what do you think of it? You know, some people say culture is what the employees do when the manager isn't around, right? But <laughs> it, it, from your context, um, how do you think of culture? You know, how do you define it? And then second, how do you define engagement? So I start with the easier one, I would say engagement, because it's usually a bit okay. more tangible. Uh, so in simple term, uh, we like to think that employee engagement describes the level of enthusiasm and dedication a worker feels toward the job and the workplace that they work in. When we touch about culture, it's a little bit more intangible uh, because everything can influence the culture. Uh, and actually, that is actually, maybe a, an interesting segue because the focus of butterfly has always been around the managers making sure the managers are aware uh, aware of what is happening making sure that they're involved in the day-to-day -day. because when we 
ran a study with one of our academic partners, and we look at what actually influences the most the employee engagement and the well-being of employees in the workplace. The number one item is what we call interpersonal relationships. And the relationship they build mainly with the manager, secondly, with the colleagues on their team, and thirdly, with the colleagues across the company. The second most important part is about having an interesting job, uh, feeling that you have the personal growth, that you have an impact, but most importantly, that you have a sense of purpose. And this is where I'm going to go back for a second here on the manager. I'm sure you've heard in the past, people are not leaving a company, they are leaving a manager. And same if you work for a hopeful company, but you have an amazing manager that you see as a leader, as a mentor, you're much more likely to stay. And this is exactly what can create culture. Culture can be created at the team level, at the company level. And what we often saw is when a, a few companies we talked to said, of course, we have a great culture. We have happy hour on Friday and we have um, days off for every other Friday during the summer. But then you ask them, okay, what do you do for the supply chain? Oh, no, no, this is for the people behind an office. The supply chain people work in shifts. <laughs> so this is why you usually have this disconnect between people working in headquarters and what is really happening on the floor. And that's why we always focus on the manager because the manager, if they know what is happening in the teams, if they know what can improve the life of their employees and I would say the, the different teams that they manage, people are likely to stay longer. And we have seen people staying longer for jobs that usually would pay less, but where they enjoy coming to work. They have this freedom, this sense of ownership, and really a way for them to measure the impact. If you think about the supply chain, if you just pack boxes and you don't know how the boxes, where the boxes go, or how much boxes you do and how much do you actually um, achieve for the team, it's really hard for you to be, I would say, engaged and motivated. So culture can start at the team level with the manager, can be as big as the company. But employee engagement is for us one of the key to have a better culture. And for us, the gatekeeper of this is the manager. So, so culture isn't just those four pillars that we put on the, you know, on the corporate statement, right? You know, these are the pillars that guide us. It's really what happens mm -hmm. down there at the team level and, and the culture that the, the team manager creates. Mm -hmm. that's, uh, so, yeah, that's exactly it. Um, one of the reasons I do like talking to startups is that I think sometimes you're closer to the market and closer to the ground than, you know, than larger experienced companies. So as you're talking to customers, potential customers, size up for me what companies are experiencing today when it comes to talent. I mean, you know, we all read that that nobody can hire anybody or that, you know, all those things. But from your perspective, give me, give, give me your perspective on it. What do you see happening in the market? Yeah, so I would not speak about prospect. That's usually the world of David and is the one that does a great job to get a, a lot of our customers through the door to us. Um, okay. When we thought about the company, we tried to really keep a pulse on the market and understanding what was there. Uh, when we started in 2015, a lot, I would say e-commerce and all this world of, fast, I would say, fast delivery became more and more prominent, especially in North America. So when we started, it became really apparent to us each time we're talking to different customer or prospect, every company have their own DNA, their own history, and their own tra traje trajectory where they wanted to go. So we heavily put an emphasis on customer success and onboarding. So why do I say that? Um, 
sometimes the challenges might be the same. So you're going to talk to customers and they say, yes, we are actually having issues with turnover, absenteeism, or just um, people not really enjoying the workplace. However, what really differs is usually the roadmap. So how do we help them solve? For it will always vary one company um, to the other. So it, the changes can be as small as uh, changing the way you do overtime instead of adding two hours before the shift, you add them two hours later. Uh, we had in the past a customer that realized that people had to travel across the, the floor. And I'm sure you've been in a couple of supply chain and warehouses. It's much bigger than a small hallway just to go to the bathroom. And what they realized was it was a great frustration for employees because by the time they would go to the bathroom, they would lose 10 minutes back and forth on top of doing their little business. So they just installed a toilet on the other side of the of the warehouse and the satisfaction of employees um, were met and people were much happier. What I, I'm very passionate about this subject because I think a lot of people think about um, the workforce as human capital, right? Um, we talk about automation, we talk about AI, robotic. Well, we still need people. And you mentioned about the great resignation and people leaving their job. And we're going to have uh, a lot of customers have a hard time to hire and to keep their talent and a lot of prospects as well. But if a company shows that they care, if they listen, if they train the managers to be the ears on the ground and have answers, it's likely that the people will stay longer. And we ran a study, for instance, with one of our customers recently uh, in the manufacturing space. And over a course of eight months, the whole culture of the couple of plants totally shifted. And the employee turnover dropped by 37% in eight months. And it all started by asking simple questions. How are you doing? And sometimes we feel that, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, 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 keep, keep going. I thought you were taking a pause, but, uh, but I don't interrupt. Oh. Uh... <laughs> yeah, um, so what we see is sometimes when we think about employee engagement and what get people going, we forget that people are people. And having a manager walking the floor and asking to his team or her team, how are you doing today? Acknowledge the person for the person. We'll take uh, employees a very long way because they feel respected. They don't feel like a number that is just going to clock in at nine and clock out at three. Um, and this is all things that we start on drafting with the customer we speak to. What are the problematic you faced in the past? Where do you want to go? What have you heard from employees currently that you want to change? And often, uh, I was at a customer yesterday, uh, ran the runway, quite a big operation uh, in the supply chain. And what they told us was, well, you confirm a few hundreds that we had, but Butterfly resurfaced so many topics that we didn't think about. So we had them really prioritize what they can do to make the life of their employees better. I thought that bathroom example was a great one. Um, I'm going to give you one, and then I have a question. Um, Please. I, I was talking to a large appliance manufacturer the other day that is really focused on what they say is, you know, that manufacturing is still the future. So how do we make manufacturing attractive again? And one of the things they're doing at the line level is realizing that there are people who might be willing to work but are transportation challenged. And so they're creating a um, a partnership with uh, Lyft. I think it's Lyft, not Uber. 
mm-hmm. to provide transportation to and from the factory uh, for some employees. And what I wondered with the bathroom example, did that come out of feedback, um, you know, or listening, as you've described it, um, you know, from working with uh, Butterfly uh, AI? Actually, yeah, it came uh, from a feedback because, uh, as I mentioned earlier, there is a a very specific set of challenges within the supply chain. And one of the bigger ones that we see is managers not always want to be disconnected from their team, but sometimes they have barriers. Uh, and one of the big ones we see uh, is the difference in languages. So if you don't speak the same language as your manager, you might not be comfortable to actually go to them. And later you have a conversation with other colleagues, with other manager, and people are saying like, wait, you are not under, you're under your quota. Why is that? So the bathroom example, I think it's, it's great because it's extremely tactical. Uh, I'm sure you've seen, if you worked in corporate in the past, these lengthy surveys, very data-oriented, very heavy, 50 questions at a time. You have a lot of players on the market that do that really well, but they are solely focused for the people behind the desk. They're extremely strategic. What we want to focus on at Butterfly is really what are the tactical changes you can do to improve their lives? And the bathroom, yeah, it, it, it picked up uh, a few comments were mentioning that they had, um, I believe it was like 20-minute breaks in the morning and in the afternoon, and people were complaining that they were spending the break just running to the bathroom. And it's an easy fix, right? Uh, just install the bathroom on the other side so that people can just leave the workstation for five minutes and still have 15 minutes of their time where they can take a breather. And that goes back to, I would say, uh, employee engagement and culture. When people feel that the company cares for them, they are going to go all out for the company. And it can be as simple as installing a toilet, as big as uh, another customer of ours just decided to stop uh, overtime. So it can be as big as that as well. And everything in the middle, such as uh, pay raise, such as better benefits. Uh, The example you mentioned about Uber and Lyft is a great example because if you offer this type of benefits, you don't really have to increase the salary because it's a direct benefit that makes the life of the employee much better. And that's usually a big misconception that people only are in for the money. Well, that's not true. They, uh, if you think about the basic of the satisfied employees, having a safe work to play, uh, a safe work environment, have the basic tools and training so that they can do their job well and um, feeling valued. And by just doing that, they feel valued. Then you go into the world of engaged employees, which is a level higher. And what they want to is be part of an extraordinary team, having an amazing manager, uh, have some autonomy, measuring the impact that they have. Um, And then you have what is called inspired employees, which is the very top of your pyramid, uh, where these are the people that really go with um, the, that are inspired by the mission of the company, that are inspired by the leaders, by the managers. And that's why you have a few companies that did really well during the pandemic because they were extremely mission-oriented. I want to ask you one last question uh, because you've, you've talked about listening, the front end of what you do. Uh, one mm-hmm. of the things I found interesting on the website was, uh, was this term actionable data. So yeah. how can the managers, you know, who are, who are now listening, um, how can they take the feedback they're getting? And maybe, you know, maybe the bathroom example is a great example, but, but, but what is actionable data? How can they take the feedback they're getting and turn that into something actionable? Yeah. Um, so when we came with the concept of listening, understanding, and acting, and 
you might have seen that on a website is because we feel that it's the same as a relationship. Uh, if you are with your partner, first you have to listen to what they say to understand what they mean so that you can take the right action. You can't really take the right action if you don't understand what they say. So the whole concept of Butterfly was, how do we make sure that for everyone, every steps along the way, we are as clear as day for the manager on what they can do? So let's start first with the listening part, right? We ensure that Butterfly is embedded into the life of employees. We don't want them to leave the floor. We want to make sure that we are part of a habit. Second, what is very important is because of these high turnovers and things changing so fast onto the floor, the frequency has to be higher. So when you do a once a year survey for the workforce behind the desk, well, with Butterfly, we do it sometimes daily, more often weekly or bi-weekly because things change so fast. Then we go into the step of understanding. So the understanding part is imp important for us because that really leads to the action. So understanding is for us guiding the manager through the results, help them to focus on what matters. Um, again, as I mentioned, we don't want to focus too much on the strategy, much more on the tactics. For example, what you would see, um, you heard the term work-life balance, uh, although that does not really exist anymore, but work-life balance is a very strategic concept. If you want to go much more tactical, let's focus on the workload and what the manager can actually do to change that. So we help them understand that um, and make sure that they understand the feedback they receive. Even if it's a different language, we get it translated to them uh, through an automated um, I would say, program we set up on the platform. And then it leads to meaningful actions. So what are meaningful actions? First, when you open the feedback loop, you have to close it somehow. You can do it from the platform by, I would say, follow up. Uh, even though everything is anonymous, you can ask more questions based on the comments people have left. You can um, have conversation with your team as a whole because now you show them the data on your dashboard and said, hey, this is what I see. Let's talk about it as a team. We want to make sure that um, we give them the tools as well to, start, to send notification down. So mostly what we see is the basic action a manager can do is acknowledgement. Acknowledge the feedback that you receive. Talk about it with your team. Then what you will be able to do is, as I mentioned, the range of action that the manager can take actually massive. It can be for the team, such as actually organizing a happy hour for the people in the supply chain which is actually not happening that often, or building a bathroom on one end, or being much more strategic at the company level and changing the structure of, um, of overtime, changing the structure on how you promote managers. Because what we give to the manager in terms of data, in terms of tips, because one thing I didn't mention is uh, on Butterfly, we have a lot of, um, I would say, um, content so that we can provide managers with heavily contextualized contextualized tips to better understand the feedback and take the right action. So everything for us was thought about the feedback loop. How do we open it? How do we close it? And make sure that managers can take meaningful actions. And on top of that, we have uh, a lot of reviews with our clients where actually we go through the data. So we have a data team at Butterfly that um, makes sure that we understand the data for customers. And every quarter we sit down and we walk them through Okay, we've seen that this action were taken and this is actually the impact. If you have one dollar to invest somewhere, this is where we would invest it if it were you. So not only they can do everything to the platform, but we invest massively on building the relationship with them. And that's why most of our customers stay with us for many, many years. Uh, we have above 90% retention for all the customers that come through the door. And that's because usually they see value. 
Uh, like I mentioned, one of our customers through um, last week, and you can see the case study on our website. So the the turnover reduced by 30, 37%. Another one, so productivity improved by 10%. So as soon as you can help them understand their ROI, they will see that an investment in a tool like Butterfly is very minimal compared to the return they can have in the long term. Simon, this was fascinating. Thank you. That's all the time we have today. Uh, my thanks to Simon Ricosi from Butterfly AI for joining me. And thank you for listening. And I hope you'll be back for our next episode for Supply Chain Management Review. I'm Bob Turbocock. And again, Simon, thanks for joining us. Thank you very much for having me. Talking Supply Chain is produced by Supply Chain Management Review and Peerless Media. You can find it on scmr.com, on iTunes, or under SC247, or just Google SC247 Podcasts. For more information, be sure to visit scmr.com. We hope you'll join us again.